So as they roll out of here, I'm excited to say we're going to begin a new teaching series today. And uh, I'm always excited to start a new series. We finished up an Esther series this summer, which was just awesome and fun. And then uh, last week, if you were here, we did a special blessing for all of our students, a back-to-school blessing. And uh, man, that was just, uh, was that good? Was that enjoyable? Felt like that was a meaningful thing? Man, I hope so. I hope so. So um, uh, we've been doing all of, the, all of these things, and this new teaching series, we're, we're just simply calling it Remission. Uh, and every August, we kind of come back around this idea of uh, what we're supposed to be about, what we're supposed to be doing, what we're supposed to be making. And, and so to begin, I just want to start with a quiz. I, I'm going to show some logos on the screen. Uh, my man back there is going to help us. Uh, and uh, I'm going to show a logo, and I just want you to tell me what that company makes. Okay, so here we go. What is uh, what is it? What do they make? Happiness. You're right. Let's keep going. All right. What do they make? That's right. Oh, there are some Yankees in our midst. There's some pop. All right. What do they make? Five bucks. That's right. Um, what do they make? Cars. Good. Be nice. Be nice. Software, frustration, pain, anguish. There, uh, I thought I heard some. How do you know? All right, one more. Nice. What do we make? That's what this, we, that's what this month is about, is uh, us asking the question, what do we make? What are we producing? What's our purpose? What's, what's our mission? Uh, uh, in 2012, on Easter of 2012, and, and what's crazy is many of you weren't even here when we did this, but in, uh, in Easter of 2012, uh, our church uh, at that time was, was kind of Lazarus uh, three days in the grave, right? It was, uh, if you don't know the history of our church, at that point in time, our, our church hadn't been called out yet. We were dead and dying and desperate for some future thing, desperate for, for some greater purpose. And so in Easter of 2012, for those of you that were here, that was a marker moment for this church because we spent 50 days uh, 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 from Easter to Pentecost in a period of what we called collective listening. And I don't know if you guys remember these, but we gave these booklets out. And for 50 days, this church, we said the same prayers. We, 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 we practiced the same spiritual disciplines. We read the same scriptures for 70 days, or I'm, for 50 days. Um, and collectively as a church, we sought God's heart. We drew near to him. We, we surrounded him asking a single question. What is your purpose for Aspen Grove Christian Church? Father God, what is your mission for Aspen Grove? And, and together we listened. It was a powerful time. Our, our church has grown a lot since then, but but, but many of you were, were a part of this. Do you, you guys remember? Remember this happening? At the end of 50 days, we asked everyone to, to write down what God had revealed to them. We, we asked everybody, what's, what's God showing you? As we've read these scriptures, as we've, poured, as we've sought God's heart, what, what, what has risen to the surface? We knocked, and quickly we discovered that God had answered when all that God had revealed was collected, the thoughts, the expressions, these words rose to the surface. 
that Aspen Grove Christian Church exists to grow followers of Jesus Christ through worship, through community, and service. These words echoing the very words of Jesus to his disciples as, as recorded in, in the Gospels in Mark chapter 16, verses 15. Jesus simply tells his disciples to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, all the world, everyone. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, one of my most favorite scenes in Scripture, uh, Jesus is gathered around with his disciples and he tells them, and you will be my witnesses, telling... Um, people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go ahead and show that next slide. The one that you guys know as the Great Commission. Jesus says, therefore, which is a, which is a stand up and pay attention word. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the promise is that I will be with you always. And from these great words of Jesus, the, the language that we use is to grow followers of Jesus Christ. That word grow means that, that I want you to grow, that, that we want everyone to grow, that as Christians, we, we want you to go. For, for men and women who have already given their life to Christ, we, we want you to grow as followers, but we also want you to grow more. Our mission is to grow more, to, to make, produce, to, to reproduce, to mushroom, to balloon, to burst forth, to increase, to swell, to snowball, to multiply. That is the power of the gospel in the New Testament. Am I right? Mark 16, 15 says, everywhere and every one make followers, make disciples. A, a disciple is someone who, who, whose life is continually being surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. There, it, it is a life that lives so closely to Jesus Christ that, that, that this person has become almost indistinguishable from Christ. That's where we get the word Christian. Literally, it means Christ-likey. That, that we look like Christ and, and act like Christ and think like Christ and, and are motivated in the same ways that Christ was motivated, but most importantly, a replica of Christ in purpose. If Jesus came to seek and save the lost, John 3, 17, says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to, do you know the words? Save it. Not to condemn, but to save. To, to seek and to save the lost. Then we must be motivated by, by the love of Christ that we've experienced. As men and women who have given our lives to Christ, as Christians who have been, been saved, have, been experienced, have experienced the grace and the forgiveness and the power of Christ in our own life, then our motivation as a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ is to share Christ's duty, to share His vocation, to enter into His quest. This is the mission God has given the church. This is the mission God has given all Christians. The reason Aspen Grove Christian Church exists is through the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to draw all humanity to God again, everyone, everywhere, to go and make disciples as he did, to grow followers 
of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So that's why I brought a can opener. You guys know these things? You know what a can opener is? In our techno, we don't have an app for this yet, do we? There's nothing to, okay. Um, these are pretty fun, simple, uh, simple things, right? Uh, uh, are, are, are pretty useful when you need them. Uh, but have you ever been in a situation uh, where you had a can opener that refused to open cans? This is a, a, a strikingly uh, common occurrence, right? Have you seen these things? Uh, it is incredible that how defective and ineffective these can be. Uh, and so, um, have you ever tried to open a can with a can opener that simply won't open cans anymore? There's an interesting question about this that uh, Michael Frost and Alan Hirsch pose in their book, uh, The Shaping of Things to Come. Their question is, related to a can opener, is a thing still a thing if it no longer accomplishes the thing it was created for? Right? So, if a can opener, for whatever reason, cannot open cans anymore, what do you call it? You got junk? Trash, paperweight, I don't know. It's an intriguing question, and it's a question I think that churches need to be asking. Is it still a can opener? If it's not fulfilling its function, if it's not fulfilling its purpose, if it's not fulfilling its mission. Yeah, it's broken. So you have uh, one of two options, right? One is to take it apart and fix it, or take it apart and lose all the pieces like I would, or have extra pieces, or more likely, chuck it. So uh, recently I had time to, um, I got to spend some time at this, this church, with the leadership of this church. It's not, it's not our church, it's not a church that you know. Man, uh, 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 a big church, uh, maybe 800 plus members. Um, they, they had a big building. They, they were, they were debt-free, which is super rare in our church world these days. Uh, they, they had a, a, a new sign that had these big lights on it. They had a, an awesome logo. Uh, they even uh, uh, had this thing called a, a family life center. Have you heard of these things? Which is just a gym and you know, it was kind of one of these, we build a gym, people will come, and it'll become this incredible ministry, and um, they had great programs for, for youth and for children, and, and uh, you know, they had the enthusiastic worship leader with the cool hair, and the, um, they had screens with, with words on them, uh, uh, and, and an impassioned uh, preacher or teacher who could come up every week and and make people laugh and cry and be enthusiastic. They had all the bells and whistles, all the appearance of a healthy, thriving church. But something was missing. They lacked what, uh, what Bill Hybels refers to as the white hot why. 
their reason for existing. Their true function, their mission. They'd lost the ability to open cans. Are you with me? Do you know this church? Have you ever been to this church? I feel like this kind of church is, is more common than not. Maybe your parents go to this church. Are you with me? I want to share with you a sobering truth. In Jesus' great teaching, his Sermon on the Mount, and, uh, as recorded in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 7, I want, I want to read you these words. Jesus' words, not my words. Jesus, as he's wrapping up this Sermon on the Mount, says, A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Look at this verse, especially verse 19. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Okay, makes sense. Then look where he goes next with this. Speaking of true discipleships, Jesus says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. We're not talking about trees and fruit anymore, are we? He said, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And then look at this. This is, oh man, this is so sobering. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Uh, we, we cast out demons in your name. We even performed many miracles in your name. And look what Jesus says. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. That's pretty good. When was the last time you prophesied in Jesus' name? When was the last time, last time you, you cast out demons or, or performed miracles in the name of Jesus? Like if, if that was me, if that was happening on a regular basis, I think I'd be good, Right? I think I'd be set. I put that on my scorecard and I take that to the pearly gates any day of the week, wouldn't you? But Jesus says, get away from me. They're sobering words. I'm just going to guess... Uh, <laughs> No one ever crocheted this verse and hung it above their toilet. Um, not exactly a life verse. I mean, they, they, they were prophesying and casting out demons and doing miracles. I, I think these are pretty good. And Jesus replies, get away from me, I never knew you. Jesus, look at our sign. We've, we've got a big sign. It's a nice sign. We have lights on it. Jesus, look at our logo. Whew. That is a nice logo. Jesus, check out our website. I mean, there's all the information. You can click on it. Jesus, look at our building. I mean, just look how awesome our building is. 
and, and look at our attendance. Jesus, we even, we support missions. Is he impressed? Have you ever heard the expression majoring in minors? It's this idea that, that you can do all the little things right and still fail because you missed the thing, the one thing you were created for. Jesus says every tree that does not produce good fruit, that does not fulfill its God-given purpose or mission, he says it's doomed. Let me give you some numbers. Nashville metro area, roughly one and a half million people. What percentage of Nashville metro, 12 counties in and around Nashville, surrounding Nashville, what percentage of people do you think attend church or are actively engaging in their Christian life, are, are, are attending church more than just Easter and Christmas? What percentage? 1.5 million people. What percentage of people, we're the buckle of the Bible belt. So what percentage of people are actively involved in a church? What, what percentage do you think? That's the question. 25, 30, 10, anyone else? Any other guesses? These are pretty pessimistic guesses. We, we think it's about 30%. One and a half million people in our area are actively involved in some sort of faith, participating in some sort of faith life. That's, that's about three people out of every ten. In Franklin, uh, with our population here, just in our little um, area. We're roughly 70,000 people in Franklin. Um, if every person decided to go to church um, next Sunday, right? So, I don't know, we, plague comes or something. I don't know. Like, um, <laughs> we better get to church. Uh, if every person in our area decided to come to church, to the existing churches, we have just over 100 churches in Franklin. I know it seems like a thousand, but just over 100 churches in Franklin, if every person just, just came to the churches, we would have to have seven services that day here at Aspen Grove. Seven. Don't be fooled. Here in the heart of the Bible Belt, our city is growing like crazy. One of the fastest growing areas, one of the fastest growing metros in the, in the country, far exceeding the growth curve of, of just about every other city. But as our city grows, what's happening to churches? Are they growing at the same pace or the same rate? No. As our city is growing, our churches are getting smaller. Are you getting an idea of our mission? When was the last time? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask some tough questions, all right? These are, I'll let these be rhetorical. 
When was the last time you actively shared the love, the mercy, grace, forgiveness, hope, life of Jesus Christ with someone else? Who are you praying for right now that doesn't know Jesus Christ? Who are you right now discipling? Who have you discipled that is now discipling someone else? Are you growing followers of Jesus Christ? Now I want to stop for a moment. Um, because uh, I, I, I need to acknowledge that uh, uh, some of the questions I just asked and the passages I just, just read um, uh, scare the crap out of some of you. Uh, sorry, scare the C-R-A-P out of some of you. Right? Scary. Right? Sobering. And so, just, did that scare any of you? Was it just me? So maybe if that's you, if, if you're that scared person, you're realizing that um, you don't, maybe you don't like the answers to the questions I just asked. You don't like your answers. You're realizing that, that maybe the targets you've been trying to hit aren't really or aren't nearly as important to God as they have been to you. You're realizing that just showing up on Sunday mornings will never be enough to grow as or to grow more followers of Jesus Christ. You're realizing that if you're going to truly live out God's mission for your life to be a can opener that actually opens cans, to be fruitful, you're realizing that there's some things in your life that are going to have to change. And if that's you this morning, if, if you've been majoring in the minors, even now there is grace and there's forgiveness for you. I want you to hear that. If this message doesn't come, uh, I, I hope you know me, you know my heart, and my love for you, and I hope you know this message doesn't come from a place of, uh, of condescension or, or frustration or I don't even want to, I'm not speaking from a place of guilt for you. But I want you, even now, no matter where you've been in this journey of growing followers of Jesus Christ, that there's grace and there's forgiveness for you. And you're not alone in this, and we're in this together with God's Holy Spirit. But I also want you to know that it's not too late. So uh, there's a story Francis Chan tells um, May have shared it with you before. Some of you may have know this, but um, Francis Chan uh, tells the story of going and visiting this house church, um, and uh, and and he describes it almost kind of condescendingly in the sense of it, it was fifteen people. It's I don't even know how you can call it a church. I mean, fifteen people meeting in in a living room, uh, and as he tells this story, he he kind of goes. Uh, to to large extent to to emphasize well they don't have a sign and you know it's just 15 people they don't have a logo it's just 15 people in the living room they 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 don't they don't have a budget they don't have a website they don't have they don't have anything of of note really but as he tells this story he has as he sits and listens with these 15 people sitting in a living room what he quickly realizes is that every single one 
of those 15 people had been actively sharing Christ with someone that week. And then he asked the question, how many 500 member churches can say the same thing? What matters most, I want you to hear this. This is why we come around this idea every August. What matters most is not the size of our church, but the size of our mission. So what's going to happen next is uh, we're just going to enter into a time of communion. It, it, it's, uh, uh, as you'll see around our room, we have three separate tables set up with the elements of communion. The, the, the bread represents the body of Christ broken for us. The, the, the cup represents the blood poured out for us. Christ is the one who, who removes, he, he, First Peter says he takes all of our sins on himself carries our sins to the cross so that we could live right with God, so that we could, uh, he could close the gap so that we could be with God again. And so in just a moment, I want to send you to this place of communion. But as we take this cup and break this bread, I can think of no better place for you to do a couple of re's. As you take this cup, as you break this bread, I can think of no better place for you to repent. Because if our church, if, the, if our church, if all our churches in Franklin, in Nashville, in the world are ever going to step into this incredible mission of God to every person everywhere, then we've got to repent. And so as you take this cup and break this bread, I invite you to repent of all the minors, everything you've placed before the one thing God has called you to be about. I invite you to repent, but I also invite you to respond. Respond to the love and forgiveness you've received in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're ready today to commit your life to this mission. Commit your life to this purpose. And if that's so, then I'm going to move down to the front right up here in the corner. I'd love to pray with you. We, are, our leaders, would love to, to pray with you. Maybe, uh, maybe this is not the, the message that, that you need to hear today. Maybe you're here because you're broken and your life is falling apart and there's things going wrong. And you say, Adam, I don't need to be sent out. I just need somebody to pray with me. If that's you today, we want to be here for that too. And we recognize that. So as we take communion, I give you the chance to repent. I give you the chance to respond but also give you the chance to refresh. Refresh your commitment to, to filling your God-given purpose, to bear good fruit. Re repent, respond, refresh. And finally, the last one is to remission. And this is the big one. to commit again to being a can opener that can actually open some cans. Commit to in yourself as a part of this church as we do this together, but commit in yourself again to making disciples, to growing followers of Jesus Christ. To see your neighbors and your coworkers differently. Not as, not as some sort of project 
but as men and women to be loved, to, to be cared for, to be introduced to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can't think of a better place than in communion to repent, respond, refresh, and remission. So in just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. And uh, I'm going to send you to these tables, but I'm going to, I'm going to make it even a little bit uh, more, uh, hopefully more communal for you. Uh, as I send you to these tables, I don't want you to just take communion alone today. I think today, um, today we take communion together as a family. So I invite you to, uh, with the three or four people that get in line behind you, to just make a small circle, make a small group. Uh, maybe if you're here with your family, do it with your family. Uh, if you're a guest with us, our intention is not to make you feel uncomfortable, but we want you to know you're, this is how family operates. We do things together. And so we want you to take this meal together. And what I want you to do just briefly in your, in your groups is maybe for the first time in a long, long time, I want you to share Christ with each other. Right? That's our mission, to grow followers of Christ, to share Christ with our friends and neighbors. So maybe today you can start. You can simply do it this way. As you hold that bread and hold that cup, just simply tell those in your group, who is Jesus Christ to you? It doesn't have to be uh, an essay, right? But just a couple of words. Because if we are going to enter this mission and share Christ with everyone everywhere, we need to start practicing sharing Christ with each other. See how that works? See how that works? So I know some of this might be a little bit uncomfortable. It's okay, you can do it. You're in a church. Your grace and love and forgiveness, we're here for you. So I'm going, to say, uh, I'm going to say communion. I'm going to say a prayer. Send you to these tables. You're going to get in groups of three or four. Make sure no one's left out, right? Can I hear you, right? I just want you to tell each other, who is Jesus? Who is he? Remind each other of the good, amazing, awesome God that we serve. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for for this church, for the grace and mercy, for their willingness even now to receive your words. Because God, your, your words, come sometimes they, they come across heavy. Even right now, Father God, as we, as we come back around this mission, this great task that you've given us, God, it seems impossible. How am I? I've never shared. I don't know how to start. I don't know what to say. I'm not, who am I to even, God, all of these doubts are creeping in already even in this place. And so, Father God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit come and lay on every person here. Relieve them of their doubts and fear. Remind them that you haven't abandoned us to do this job alone. Father God, fill this place with mercy and forgiveness. But also, God, fill this place with revival and renewal and refreshment. Let each of us boldly, with both hands, take on the mission, grab onto, cling to this mission that you've given us. Let us share Christ. Let us make followers with, with our kids and with our grandkids, with, with our neighbors, with the 70% of our population that is somewhere else here, somewhere else today. Father God, we open ourselves to you and to this mission. 
We need you, God, to help us and guide us. We're afraid. But Father God, we move into this place. The only reason we, we know that you're with us and you're here now is because of your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father God, as we commune with you through his body and through his blood, we, we step into this great mission of yours. We love you, Father. And in your son, Jesus' name, everyone together says,